Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. How thirsty have you been? How thirsty are you right now? What's the thirstiest you've ever been? What's your experience with being parched? Where your mouth is dry and the amount of water that you take in just hardly takes care of that thirst. I had an experience 20 years ago of waking up in a strange room with people in scrubs and uh, white coats, and I woke up trying to figure out where I was, and I didn't know it, but for hours, my body was being depleted of fluids because I had internal uh, bleeding going on. I had things going on inside of me that made me thirstier than I have ever been before or I have ever been since. The thirst was hardly able to be quenched because I was dehydrated. And over the course of a number of hours, that dehydration was taken care of. But in that moment, I, had, I experienced thirst like nothing I had ever experienced before. I wonder if you're thirsty this morning. Those of you online this morning, we're going to use water. If you, you might get thirsty because we're talking about water so much. So grab some water before you, uh, before you settle in. Listen, for those of you in the house, you got a bottle of water this morning. And there's a reason you got a bottle of water. See, even a slight introduction to biology you would know that 60% of your body is water. It's water. Your brain has, 80% of your brain is water. So even slight dehydration can cause fatigue. It can cause headaches. It can cause a lack of mental clarity. It can cause stress. It'll cause sleep issues. So drink plenty of water. Open your water, huh? You don't have to down it all at one time, but take a sip. And another one. We'll have a run on the restroom right afterward. Today is the fifth word from the cross. We're in this series called Seven. It's the seven sayings from the cross. It is gold from Golgotha. Russell Bradley Moore wrote this little book that this series is based on. It's called Gold from Golgotha. It's the place of the skull. It's the place where Jesus' life ended and ours began. And this morning, we're going to focus in on the, the, the crucified Savior hanging on the cross, Jesus on the cross. He is a man on fire this morning. He's a man on fire. He has lived his entire life as a man on fire. He has spoke words of life everywhere he went. And then he dies, both spiritually and physically, as a man on fire, thirsting for the soul of humanity, thirsting for you and I. And at the same time, he is spiritually thirsting for all of humanity. He's also thirsting physically 
He's got a cotton mouth. He's got a throat that's on fire. And he's the feeling, the dehydration of his human body. Over the course of the last four weeks, we have, we have looked at the different words of Jesus from the cross. We, in the first week, we talked about forgiveness and how Jesus' forgiveness that he, that he gives us on the cross is like a forgiveness grenade. It explodes and it just covers all of us. Today, you will be with me, was the second word from the cross. There he was speaking to the, the thief hanging beside him who acknowledged that he was who he said he was, that he was the king of the Jews, that he came for our salvation. This thief understood just enough to understand that making that recognition of who Jesus was was important. And Jesus answered that prayer by swearing to him. He said, I promise you today I will see you in paradise. The third word from the cross was Jesus looking at his mother and then looking at his friend John, John the disciple, and saying, John, here's your mother, and mother, here's your son. See, even in this place of pain and hurt, he was thinking of his mother. Last week, Jordan brought us a message that spoke to the abandonment that Jesus felt on the cross. He felt that abandonment, that forsakenness of, of God Almighty, so that you and I would never again have to feel alone. You and I would never have again need to feel abandoned. And this morning, the words of Jesus are, I am thirsty. See, Jesus just came through this incomprehensible experience of shouldering the weight of the world, the dead weight of the world on his shoulders for three hours. Scripture tells us that he was that he was crucified at nine o'clock in the morning and he was on the cross until noon and at noon, some strange occurrence happened, but the sun hid its face. And for three hours, Jesus is hanging on the cross in the dark. It's like all of nature has conspired to honor at this moment the work of the king on the cross. And we pick the story up now in John chapter 19, Beginning in verse 28, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished and to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. His mission was now finished. First Peter 2 says, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. That was the mission that Jesus was on. So that you and I, we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you and I are healed. You and I are healed through the, the wounds that Jesus suffered on the cross. It is finished. His mission was complete. And then to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. Isn't that curious? I am thirsty. How does that fulfill scripture? Well, a thousand years before, a prediction of what was going to happen to the Messiah was made from David. And here's what it says in Psalms 22. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. See, David is in a place of feeling forsaken. He's in, he's in the pit of gloom, and he writes these words. 
My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. I am in despair, David writes. See, Jesus knew what was in Psalm 22. He knew it before he went to the cross. He knew he was going to suffer and thirst. He says, my strength is dried up. My mouth feels like a piece of clay, like old pottery. My tongue clings to my jaws. God, you have brought me to the dust of death. See, if you know anything about crucifixion, you know that as Jesus hangs on the cross, as anyone would, any human being hangs on the cross, your limbs, your, your, your legs, your extremities begin to, to, to fill up with fluid. And when that happens, when that happens, your mouth becomes dry. Your tongue is clinging to the roof of your pal. It is misery, pure misery. But why out of all the physical abuse of the cross is thirst singled out? Why is this even mentioned? Why is I am thirsty significant? I believe it's significant because it's indicative of the work of Christ of becoming a human baby, coming in human form. Even though he was 100% God and 100% human, he came as a human being. He moved into the neighborhood. He took on flesh and blood. He became human so that you and I could be called sons and daughters of Almighty God. It's quite the juxtaposition, this thing of being human and being God. He was human to the extent that he was born as a baby and born not in a nice little sanitary, sterile hospital room, but born in a barn among the animals. Quite a human experience. But in the next moment, we see his godheadness, his godliness, in that the angels erupted with joy, singing and making themselves known to those that were in proximity to the shepherds and those in the surrounding area. He was so human, he had to take a nap in a boat. And then he gets up from that nap and rebukes the wind as though he is God. God has power over the wind and the rain and, and, and the weather and all of those things were, were done so that we would see that he is fully human needing a nap, but he's also God in over the wind. He's, he's human in that he cares about his mom. And he's, he is fully God by being able to, to answer the prayer of the thief on the cross. When, you, when you're hurting, it's a prime example of when you are hurting as a human being. To not take your eyes off of those around you. To not get your eyes just on yourself in, your, in the middle of your pain. Because, because God has purpose in the pain that you're going through. And if you can just keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on other people, you'll find that that pain will be put to good use. And here he is now, thirsty, as a human being, thirsty on the cross, and at the same time, as God himself, he is paying for our sin. The writer of Hebrews says in, in chapter two, he says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who had lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. 
He broke the bondage of our love of self. The bondage of love of self is what trips most of us up at one time or another. And for many of us, it trips us up all the time because living as a follower of Jesus means that we lay down our lives. It doesn't mean that we continue to live for ourselves, but we are living for others and for God himself. His death broke the bondage of of control. Many of us are slaves to the control we imagine ourselves having. You know you have very little control of your life. I know, that's why I hang on to the control that I, I actually imagine that I do have. What are the things that you can actually control? You can control things like your attitude, how you think. Even though you think maybe at this point in time, this morning, at this very moment, you may, thinking, may, may be thinking right now that I have no control over how I think. I can't tell my mind what to think. I can't capture my thoughts and, and say, no, I'm going to think something differently, except that you can because you can have a renewed mind. Through the work of Jesus in your life, a renewed mind is possible. Different thinking is possible. You can control your thinking. You can control your attitude. You can control your effort. What kind of effort do you bring into every situation you step into? Are you the guy that everybody knows they can go to and, and know that you're going to give it your best effort? Or are you the person that steps back and says, yeah, I'll let somebody else do it this morning. I did my job last week. Or are you the person that steps up and says, I can control effort. If you want to control your effort, you better control your attitude first. It's difficult to change your effort if your attitude doesn't, hasn't changed beforehand. And you can change your actions. You can control your actions. You can control your actions. Well, this is one that many of us ought to think about. How do I act online? What do I say on social media? I posted something this week, and uh, about a minute later, I took it off. <laughs> I was heeding my own words. I was heeding this thought process in my mind that said, what's the reason I just posted that? And I quickly took it back down again because my reasoning behind what I did did not line up with who Jesus says I am. As Jesus is hanging there on the cross... We know that as he does this, we now can look to him as our advocate because as he is dying on the cross, as he's spending time hanging there for three hours in the dark, he has taken the, the sin of the world on his back. He's, he's hanging there, experiencing all that weight, experiencing all that darkness. And we now know that we have an advocate in the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4 says it like this. This high priest, or this advocate of ours, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. See, he died to set us free from fear. He died to set us free from sin. And he brought us back into alignment with the Father.
Why is I am thirsty significant? I think it's significant because we can see that scripture sets the pace for Jesus' life. He said, I am thirsty, that the scripture might be fulfilled. In Psalm 69, they gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Every little detail came to fruition through the death, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Everything was done, right down to the cheap beer. Like, this is the beer of the barracks, right? The soldiers had sour wine. It was like a PBR or a Miller Lite or something like that. There was no, like, craft beer to be had, apparently. I mean, every detail. It wasn't just like they substituted something. No, it was written in Scripture. It was going to be cheap beer. And it was cheap beer that was offered to Jesus in that moment. You and I, when we apply the word of God to our lives, when we apply the word of God to our lives, when we understand the significance of of who God says we are and who we are because of his life in us, then when we get into the crisis of the crucible, which Jesus was in in that moment, See, he could have called 10,000 angels to get him off of that cross. He could have saved himself. He was tempted to do so. He was told to do so. Hey, if you are the Christ, well, get us off of here. Prove yourself. And yet, in that moment, he was sustained because of his, well, he was God, but he was fully human, which means he was fully tempted just like you and I are. But he... He was leaning in to the scripture that he, had, that he knew, and he was, waiting, he was fulfilling what was in front of him. Whenever you are in a severe trial, when you get into the crucible, when things become super difficult, it's important that you have taken a firm stand and that you know where you stand with Christ, that you know that you have his power within you so that the decisions you make don't have to be made in that moment because you've already made that decision. You just know the right thing to do and you step into it. As Jesus hangs there on the cross and he says, I am thirsty, he was thirsty so that you and I would never have to be thirsty again. I wonder again, what are you thirsty for this morning? See, if Jesus isn't enough for you, nothing ever will be. Some of us think we're going to find fulfillment. We're going to find what we're thirsting after. We're going to find satisfaction in a new job. We're going to find satisfaction in a a new and better office. We're going to find satisfaction with more money, more power, more sex, better sex, more influence. And yet if we don't start with more of Jesus... All of those things, you're going to come up empty. You're frankly just coming up empty. See, when we take a sip of water, how about we take another sip? I need another sip. When you take a sip of water, when you drink of the spiritual water that Jesus offers, that first, save, that first sip is going to save you. And guess what? The first sip won't do it. You got to keep drinking. 
When you get depressed, you take another sip. When you yell at your kids, you take another sip. Come on, moms. Like, seriously. You need another sip. All of life requires that we keep drinking from the spring of living water. Because you're dehydrated long before your body tells you about it. You're dehydrated long before your body notifies you that, that you're dehydrated. Because your throat starts burning and then your tongue gets swelling, starts swelling. And by the time you snap, you've already been dehydrated. Many of us, many of us live chronically dehydrated. We don't know what it's like to live hydrated, to live with the power of God in us all the time. See, our dehydration doesn't happen because you missed reading your Bible yesterday. Because you forgot to pray yesterday. It's because you stopped being disciplined with your time during the pandemic. It's because of the serve up you didn't join last week to help serve our local community. It's because of the tithe you didn't pay last year. See, nothing happens on its own. Everything happens one after another after another. One thing after another. It piles on top of each other. And before you know it, whatever spiritual water you have is sapped out of your body. The fluids that you've been trying to take in every once in a while just will not suffice. You're going to dry up. In John 4, everybody knows, I mean, if you've been in the church very long at all, you know the story of the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Jesus is walking from Judea to Galilee. His disciples go off into town, and he comes up to this well, and the Samaritan woman is there drawing water from the well. And as he approaches her, as he, as he engages her in conversation, he says to her, hey, I have water of which you don't know. But whoever drinks of this living water will never thirst again. And she's like, I want some of that. I'm tired of drawing water from this well. She didn't understand in that moment until he began to speak into her life. See, Jesus knew some things about her that he shouldn't have known about her. He couldn't have known about her, except he was able to see as only God can see. And this morning, there are some things in your life that I don't know about you, but God knows about your life. He knows what is going on in your heart, soul, and mind, and he's leaning into you. I wonder if you're leaning into him, because when Jesus looked at her and said, go get your husband, she realized that the thirst that she had been trying to quench, she was trying to get some man to quench that thirst. And here Jesus is. He knows her. He knows the story of her. He knows her history. That never stops him. I don't care what you've done this morning. I don't care your history. I don't care your background. Whatever you have done, whatever you have come from, does not inform who you will be from this day forward if you lean into the drinking of this spiritual water that only Jesus offers. In Jeremiah 2.13 
Jeremiah the prophet in the Old Testament, he speaks these words. He says, for my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. They have abandoned me and they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that won't hold any water at all. That's like you and I trying to drink water from this plastic bottle and it's all, you know, if it was cracked, uh, we'd find there was no water. It's all leaked out. It's all leaking everywhere, right? The water is leaking out of these false ways that we think hold life. We keep trying to quench our thirst from dry wells. Why do we do that? Because our deficiencies, they cry out to be attended to. We know our own deficiencies. We know the things in our lives that do not line up with the power of God. We know these things in our lives that do not align with who God says we are. And yet we keep dipping back to the ways that we are comfortable with, the things that we used to do, because we have this false sense of who God is and what he wants for us in our lives. The prophet Isaiah writes these words in chapter 55 of the Old Testament. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen, listen, listen to me. And you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest of food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I'd love for you to just imagine this morning that you're in the Near East and you hear, this is in the ancient days, and you're hearing the water uh, merchant hawking water. Come all you who are thirsty, he's saying. If you're thirsty, I've got what you need. I've got the water. And Isaiah, used by God, he offers the people of Babylon in that day. These were words spoken to Israel when they were in captivity in Babylon. And he's speaking to the, the Israelites in Babylon. He's saying, come drink of the water of God. This morning he's saying to us in Goshen, and for all of those online, wherever you are this morning, what he's calling us to, what he's offering is a, uh, something to, thir- to quench our thirst. This living water of God is offered to us again this morning. And it's not just water, but even more costly than that. He's saying, saying there's more expensive drinks. There's, there's milk. There's wine. And he invites us to a banquet. Isaiah isn't, um, he's not pleading. He's not arguing. You know what he's doing? He's doing what some of us do sometimes. And he's just taking a pebble and he's throwing it in the water and just trying to wake people up from their complacency. He's just throwing the pebble in saying, okay, there's a little ripple there. I hope they see that ripple. I hope they hear the word of the Lord as it goes out. He's saying, listen, listen. I have what satisfies you. God is ready to give you what you need to be satisfied with. I wonder if you know what I mean when I say the, the 
the thin layer between heaven and earth, that sort of thin place, the uh, Celts would have said, the thin place. I've had a number of different experiences over the last year where I don't know, uh, I don't know why this is happening or I can't really kind of put words to it sometimes, but I'll give it a shot. It's this place where I wake, I'm almost in a dream state, but I wake up and I'm aware of where I am, but I'm also aware in that moment, like I don't know, it seems like there's a download. There is a, there is a uh, word that just comes. And as I was prepping for this message, this week one morning I woke up in the middle of the night and, um, and I had this, this uh, picture The picture was of a, a stainless steel sink, but it was completely dry, like a, a kitchen sink, right? Picture a kitchen sink. And there was blood, uh, dried blood on the bottom of this sink. The spigot had not had any water come out of it for a long time. In fact, when you opened the faucet, there, wouldn't, there, there was no water there. And as I... Th- as I saw this picture, I was aware that, that some of us, some of us are like that dry sink that hasn't had any water flowing into it for a very, very long time. You probably have made a commitment to Jesus at some point. The blood has been applied to your life, but it's just dried up. The blood has been applied. It hasn't left you, but the blood is dry. The spring of living water has not flowed in your life for a long time. I wonder what you're thirsty for this morning. Because it is not God's will that you're dried up like a dried up prune. That's not his will. His will for you is that you would be saturated with his living water. That you would live into all that God has called you to be. That you would understand the significance of your purpose here on earth. Oswald Chambers, why don't you guys stand with me? Uh, Oswald Chambers has been, always been such an inspiration to me. And here's what I want to close with. It is not what a man does that is of final importance, but what he is in what he does. The atmosphere produced by a man, much more than his activities, has the lasting influence. I wonder what the atmosphere is, is that you're bringing into the spaces you go into. How will your workplace change this week? How will your, well, you won't go to class this week. Uh, How will your your, uh, workplace, how will your office, how will your family change this week because of you stepping into that space? When we choose to be men and women that follow the way of Jesus, we choose the way of action. And in that action, we create an atmosphere, an atmosphere of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what we as followers of Jesus must bring into every space we step into. That is only possible if you're not a stainless steel sink that has not had living water flowing through it for a very long time. Your effectiveness hinges on the posture of your heart. What's the posture of the heart that you hold inside of you this morning? What's the atmosphere that you're creating? See, Jesus shows us a better way. What are you thirsting for this morning? Let me pray for us. Jesus, all over the house this morning, many of us have felt dry, we have felt parched. Perhaps we actually are. Maybe we are that person, those people who feel like we're a dried up, filthy, stainless steel sink that hasn't had any water through it for a long, long time. Maybe the blood has been applied, but that blood has not been powerful in our lives because we've turned our back on what used to be. This morning, Father, I'm just calling out in this house for anyone online that we would reconsider our position, how we quench the thirst that we inherently have within us. What are we doing with the desires of our heart? What are the things that we thirst after? What are we doing about those things? Are we giving those up to Jesus? Are we surrendering all of it to Jesus? Are we simply holding back and saying, maybe another day, maybe another day? It's all over the house this morning, Father. I pray for courage. I pray for a renewed interest in, in your ways, in your will. Because God, we know we know that the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation, the gift of knowing that my life matters, my life has purpose, not just today, but in eternity. God, we believe that. And wherever there is unbelief in the house this morning, Father, I pray that you would just strengthen them. Strengthen the belief of the people in the house and all those online this morning. God, we need you. We need you for the days ahead. We need you so that we can live lives that mean, uh, that, mean, that mean something, that we live out our purpose, that we become the people you've called us to be. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.